you don't have self-esteem, then you cannot set or manage boundaries. So I, I really feel like for me, my experience as a therapist, that's 80% of everybody's problem is codependency. I think it all kind of boils down to that. So I, I really do feel like that if you don't know who you are and you can't tap into what you like and love, what you want more of, what you want less of, and those things that you're willing to negotiate, like you really, you don't care what color car you drive, or maybe you don't care if you go eat pizza or steak. Maybe there's just some areas in your life that are permanent. Some are temporary, depending on the moment where you're willing to say, you know, I really don't care what we do tonight. Do you have a preference? You know, if you don't know those things, you are going to find yourself in a pickle and probably be kind of miserable. Hi, I'm Casey. And right here beside me is Kelsey. We are licensed professional counselors, mothers, entrepreneurs, oh, and besties. We know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think, how in the heck did I wind up here? Through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through our own internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can experience real lasting joy. Join us every Thursday to hear interviews with experts who can point you towards self-discovery and inner joy. Alrighty, this is Dr. Kelly Rice, and we are so happy to have you. I've known you for a while now, right? Yeah, five years or so. It's been a while. You've always had such an interesting practice and such an interesting model. So today we just we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about codependency. And you know, <laughs> so many things. I'm really curious though, Kelsey, like what is the first thing on your mind that you want to say or ask on this topic? I'm really nervous right now. So before we walked in here, we were talking about codependency and love. And I was like, oh, I'm just nervous. That's what I have to say. Yeah. I'll have more burning questions in a minute. If we took the headphones off, her ears would be really red. I guarantee it. <laughs> Do people usually have self-awareness enough to know that they're codependent? Or is that something that they usually learn later in life because of a failed relationship or fail, you know, like problems in their life? What do you, what are your, I mean, what do you think about that? I think that there's so much being written about codependency right now that everybody's got a different working definition. Some people think of it as kind of a more dependency, like I'm dependent on somebody, which when I think of that, I'm like financially dependent. You're dependent on your parents to pay your bills, but that is very different than like being codependent with your parents, which is making decisions or choosing majors in college based on what you think your parents want you to do. Mm -hmm. I find that before I ever talk about codependency, we got to talk about what is the your working definition of it because sometimes everybody's on a different page and that makes it pretty challenging. However, I will say that I don't think most people know. I, I, I really feel like that even if everybody agrees that codependency is whenever you make choices in your life based on what you think somebody else wants or needs from you, most people would say, yeah, I don't do that. Hmm. That's not me. Yeah. 
Well, that's a good, I mean, I think that's a good working definition that just making choices based on what other people, your perception of what other people would want versus your true self. Like we were talking to Rachel Harrison on a podcast where she was talking about how we were getting into the subject of attachment styles and how when people become, when they start to lose their their identity, they don't know who they are without that other person. Would you say that still would be considered codependency? I think it could be. Yeah. You know, like if you are, you see a lot of this with people who are in the process of maybe getting divorced where they're like, okay, I know I don't want to be with you. This is not working for me. However, I, I don't even know what kind of restaurants I like where I like to go eat because I've always just gone to the ones that you've wanted to eat. And so now I have to figure out where do I want to eat? What kind of vacations do I want to take? It's interesting. What kind of shows do I want to watch? Because I would never consider myself to be codependent, but you using the definition, I'm I'm thinking back on past relationships and I think maybe I was codependent. Maybe I was seeking out what others wanted rather than what I wanted. So I don't know. Makes me kind of think a little. In what way? Kind of like a people pleasing thing. Like, I don't know necessarily that it's external validation. Like, I don't need other people's validation, but it's like, let's use restaurants, for example. Casey'd always be like, you pick where we want to eat. And I'm like, no, 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 I want you to pick. I, I don't want that responsibility. And so I've really had to learn about, well, what do I actually want? And there was a, con- you're thinking about a certain conversation, aren't you? No, I'm just thinking, do people, tend to become more codependent when they are in a relationship with someone who is more controlling or more dominant or like how do people fall into codependency? Because if you are in a relationship with someone and you're just trying to keep the peace and you're just trying to like make sure that there's no argument or disagreement or whatever, then that would mean that the person most likely that the person that you are with at that time is provoking something in you that would make you feel that way. I don't know. I don't know. I love Pia Melody's book, Facing Codependence. I do think that's the best one. It's a little dated, but I think it's the best. Kind of explains our path of codependency and I think a way that most people can really relate to. But she talks about how we end up with codependent characteristics because of our parents. Attachment. Because of the way we were parented. And so... The example I often give is my one of my offices at 30 North Michigan, which is right downtown, and the L tracks go across the top, uh, right down the middle of Wabash. Mm-hmm. And lots of people get off the train and they walk towards the big Millennium Park, the bean that's there. And every year without fail, I'll be there and there'll be parents, young parents with their kid in a stroller that's from another city that doesn't have an elevated train and it's really loud. And so when you're underneath it, it just echoes through the big buildings and it's, it's a very kind of jarring experience and kids will often start crying and the parents will be like, Oh, little Johnny, it's not scary. It's a train. It's just like Thomas the train. And I'm thinking, I always think, you know, actually for that little kid, it could be scary. You don't know. You don't know if it's scary or not. We know it's loud and we know it's different than Thomas. That's what we know for sure. But is it scary for that kid? I don't know. 
But the parents are telling this kid, this is not a scary situation. And whenever you've got parents who are telling you how you feel all the time when you're little, your ability to determine how you feel in any given moment as you get older is likely impaired. And you might have to look to others to tell you how you feel. You might search those people out, people that are like, oh, yeah, I know how I feel and you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that because I listen a lot to people's conversations. And, you know, like if I'm in a group setting and you probably know what I'm talking about, but if I'm in a group setting and I'm watching the dynamics of the people, there's one person who is sharing their feelings or their experience about something. and Now that I'm saying it out loud, it actually is not the same thing, but whatever. They're sharing their experience. And then you have someone else in the group who's like, yeah, I know exactly how you feel. That happened to me. And then they tell their whole, and I'm just like, yeah, but you just, you just like took that away from them. Like that was what they were talking about. And just because you had a similar experience and that's how you felt is not at all what they were just talking about. The original person doesn't even get a chance to say how they feel. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're still waiting, Carol. (laughs) On how you felt about that, because uh-huh. Betty, she just wiped that real fast. We know how Betty felt. Yeah, exactly. Something similar happened to her. Yeah. So in that situation, ideally, Carol would say, oh, wait a second, Betty. That's not how I felt. But if Carol was like, oh, did I feel that way? Maybe I did. If Betty felt that way, then maybe I felt that way, right? Like that's codependent thinking. Mm-hmm. If yeah. Carol starts second guessing her experience and wondering like, No, I don't know. Did I I sound like an idiot? I'll just go with what Betty said. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, two things come to mind when you say that. One is I've definitely been in relationships with people who I think were very codependent on me and who I always felt like they did not have a true sense of self. And they would look to me for the answer. And I didn't. I mean, in some ways it makes it easier in a relationship, but I personally, I don't like that. And I mean, so many times I would say like, no, I want to know what you think. Like it's, and and it just kind of makes me wonder like how they were raised to not have an opinion about things or not have a, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's strange to me. And then also the second part of that was, I remember couple of years ago when Kelsey and I first were together and she was the first person other than a therapist to ever ask me how I felt about something. How is that making you feel? Or what is that like for you? And no one ever, ever, ever had asked me that. And so, you know, it changed a lot about the way that I parent my kids because it brought that awareness to me of, oh my gosh, like my parents never asked me how I felt about anything. And I don't want my children to have that same experience. And so now I really try hard to, what's what's that like for you? I'm curious how you're feeling about this, or I can see that you're angry. Are you angry? (laughs) I'm thinking about, I have a story to say, but before that, I'm thinking about how hard it would be to be with somebody who is codependent because there's like no resistance or change. Like the resistance isn't, I guess it could be for good, but I'm thinking about a time we were driving down the road and and somebody in your family had done something to you. And I was like, 
you're like, I'm not speaking to them. And I was like, mm-hmm. but, but why, you know, and cause I come from a different background and she comes from a different background. And so I kind of challenged her and she's like, nobody's ever done that to me. They just agree with what I say or say, well, yeah, explain more because do you want me to explain the actual situation? I don't care, but like, I, I don't, I'm personally, I don't really know exactly what you're talking about. So. We were driving down the road and it was one of your family members and they had done something wrong to you. And I don't remember what it was. It was like two weeks prior, but then their birthday was coming up and you were like, I, I don't know them anything. I'm not going to say happy birthday to them. And, you know, that's her own opinion and she's entitled to do what she wants. But I was like, are you sure that's what you want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of just like, maybe you extending some grace might be good in the situation. And, you know, and you, I remember you being appalled, like, how dare you challenge me like that? But then afterwards we had a whole conversation about my beliefs versus hers. And that resistance actually created, I don't know, like a, a heavier connection for her and I. Yeah. Because people that, that I've been in relationships with in the past would have never said, Oh, they would have never played that devil's advocate or may, or never mm-hmm. even tried to do that. It was, and so that was definitely different. It creates a more rich experience in relationship. Mm-hmm. Without that, it's like being in the relationship with a brick wall. It's like, who are you? Who are you? And do you have any response to me at all? Mm-hmm. Or well, am I just the one calling all the shots and doing whatever? Right without you engaging in my process of living. Mm-hmm. That, that's spot on, actually, because we were, before we started recording, we were talking about that the topic of this podcast is love. And then we kind of got into more uh, of a narrowed focus. But, you know, in in my past codependent relationship, I wasn't the one that was codependent. He was. And I just remember thinking like after it was over, did this person ever even love me? Like, how could they? (laughs) Because they didn't even know, like there was nothing more than surface level. There was no, well, how are you feeling about this? Or there was no trying to understand or like, let me learn about your dreams and like, let me be a part of the life that it was all just like, what do you need? Let me support you. Like it was nothing. You know what I'm trying to say? Like It wasn't, it was very just hot or cold. Yeah. I so, agree with everything you do or I agree with nothing you do. Yeah. So how do you, how do you really love someone in a codependent relationship? Because you're almost giving up the love for yourself. It's like, you don't even know who you are. Love yourself, let alone to love another person. Well, I think it's really hard. It leads to a lot of resentment. Mm-hmm. The codependent person is generally a very resentful person. Right. It just builds up and builds up and builds up because if you're not a sushi person, okay, that you're real codependent and, you know, your partner, spouse, whoever wants to go eat sushi every night, every time you go out and you can't tell them for whatever reason you're worried that they'll be upset if you say you want to go have pizza, then you've probably really wished you had a lot of pizza. And if you didn't say anything, that kind of resentment builds up. Because you haven't, you've failed. My mentor always tells me, resentment is your data that you have failed to set about. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that. And codependent people, 
because they don't have any self-esteem. They cannot set or manage boundaries. So they feel like a doormat and it doesn't take very long till they're angry about it. And it starts coming out sideways, passive aggressive ways. Yeah. That, like, <laughs> I would sit and think about my past relationship and I'm like, this makes no sense. Like what is happening right now? Makes no sense. And, and now that we're talking about it, I realized that's what that was. It was pure codependency. And I think maybe at that time, he thought that's what I wanted. Someone that was just going to do whatever. It's not what anyone, maybe that's not true. It's not what I wanted. You know, I think that there's a lot of value and there's a lot of like, I'm not attracted to someone that doesn't have a voice or an opinion. Yeah. Uh, you, and you don't know who they are. Exactly. I mean, just think about how pissed the sushi eater is when they find out that the person they've been eating sushi with for five years doesn't like it. Yeah. Well, I think it's challenging for, for both partners and that if you have one who's super codependent and one who's not. The person who isn't the codependent person, they are spending a lot of energy making all of the decisions. And I feel like that would be very exhausting. It, it Well, I can tell you 100% it's very exhausting. And it's not something that I ever personally wanted to do. And it's funny because I was in a relationship prior to this, the past relationship with the codependent person who I didn't make any decision, like hardly at all, not in a codependent way, but I'm like, look. Hey, you want to handle all the money? Great. You want to pay all the bills? Fine. You want to do all that? Don't bother me a bit. Take it. I don't like, I don't have enough responsibility that I would prefer not to have that responsibility in my personal life. But the the codependent person didn't have the ability to do those things. And so it really, I had to, I had to step up and take on that parentified kind of role in the relationship. Honestly, I did not even connect that it was codependency. The anger was triggered probably from resentment and like you, all of the things you said, because that makes perfect sense. I wonder he was so pissed and hated my guts is like he had been living for me for so many years that it's like, what am I, who am I now? What am I going to do now? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's probably we'll go on to find another person where he doesn't have to show up. Yeah. Because it's vulnerable to show up. It's vulnerable yeah. to show up and say, I know I've been eating sushi for a while. Why I freaking hate it. I can't do it anymore. Like, yeah. I mean, if you're going to go have sushi, go with your buddies, man. Like you've certainly got to have one friend who digs that. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's how Kelsey has, has been. And there's definitely things that she'll compromise on, but she's like, I don't, I'm not eating sushi. <laughs> no. And for real, I mean, I'm not drinking red wine. Yeah, I'm not drinking bourbon. That I love, she wants no part of, but it doesn't mean that it makes the relationship any less. It's just, we just have differences and, and that's not a bad thing. Well, it makes partnership more interesting. You know, like if you think about my vacation, I love to take hikes. I'm scuba certified. Like I want to do something. I do not want to lay on a beach because then I think about working and then I just get my computer out and then I work the whole vacation. And then I don't feel like I had one. My husband wants to lay on the beach. He wants to walk around city. I'm like, I'm in the city all day. I don't want to walk around. (laughs) Right. Like I just, 
so when we go on vacation, sometimes it's a little bit more complicated because we we'll both have to throw our wish list in. And now we got three teenage daughters who definitely have an opinion. But if I had, if every vacation I went to was laying on the beach, I would, it wouldn't take me very long to say, yeah, go on without me. I'm not going. Yeah. That is not fun for me because I can't lay still and I will work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I need to go hike up a hill or something. <laughs> Did you ever wonder or worry that any of your daughters would grow up and have codependent tendencies? And what did, you know, what would those look like? Well, this is what I think I know. I'm just a work in progress, but I will say that having codependent kids, they're way easier to parent. Having kids that actually give you their opinion can really freaking suck. And it really sucks as they get older. Like I appreciate it and I don't want to quell it, but like every single thing we try to do as a family, five of us, there's always one person who doesn't want to do it. And, you know, my kids are like, listen, I am managing my boundaries. Okay. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to the Bulls game. I'm like, we just freaking bought tickets for the Bulls, man. They're so expensive. Yeah. Well, guess what? Uh, Nobody asked me. So just count me out. Yeah. I'm not doing that. And so I'm like, oh my God, if I just had codependent kids, they would just say, okay, I'm going to the balls game with my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, great. Everybody wants to be here. This is fun. And then I'd probably look over and see her on her phone and be like, weird. She's acting like she doesn't want to be here, right? Like, <laughs> because the reality is she doesn't want to be there. So I think that I spend a lot of time really trying to give my daughters a voice and have them stand up and say how they feel and what they think about things and get consent to do things. And it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I was feeling that as you were talking about it. I I have one, my youngest daughter, sometimes I've, I've worried in the past that she would be very codependent just because she, as a little kid, she was very easygoing and easy to, you know, she would just do whatever. And, you know, it was just easy. She's your third, right? She's my second. She's the middle. Okay. Mm -hmm. But as she's gotten older, she has definitely found she will stand up for herself. And she definitely has that voice. My oldest daughter, oh my God, uh, it's... (laughs) I you I mean she's like I don't know that codependent is a word but it's just like she definitely will not do anything she doesn't want to do she's definitely not codependent she's gonna say heck no I'm not going mm-hmm. you can pry me out of the door and I'm gonna kick and scream and I don't yeah. want to go well and she's also very good at negotiating <laughs> so she will come to me and say look um, I know Lennon has a softball game and I really don't want to go. So I will clean the kitchen if you let me stay home. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just do that. Please. Right. I mean, those are great life skills that you don't want to quell, but it, it doesn't mean it makes your life as a parent easier. No, no. Very, very headstrong, independent children. And I used to tell her dad when she was little, because man, she was a hell of a toddler. Like, look, I mean, I know it's hard now, but we're not going to have to worry about her when she's older. She will fend for herself. She has an opinion. She's very strong-willed. She'll be just fine. Are there different categories of codependency? Like, I'm thinking of 
all of our children. And I'm thinking, okay, this one could potentially be emotionally dependent, uh, codependent. And this one may be decision wise. Is, is there like a breakdown of that in codependency or no? I don't know. If I know you know, there's not. I mean, there, there is that triangle, the codependency triangle that talks about trauma, which Melody says is anything less than nurturing, which we all know as parents, you can't parent your kid without less than nurturing moments because yeah. if you tell them they can't have a green popsicle, I mean, they might be dragging our butts into therapy when they're 26, talking about how we denied them a green popsicle when they were seven. And they have a lot of feelings about it. They can't look at green popsicles since, you know, yeah. like, that is going to probably happen to all of us. But she says with those kinds of less than nurturing traumatic moments, the parents that are not acknowledging that the train is scary as it goes up on top of the, and the L track, it's very hard to have self-esteem. It's really hard to know who you are. If you grow up with parents telling you who you are, who you should be, ought to be, could be how you feel yeah. about things. And if you don't have those, if you don't have self-esteem, then you cannot set or manage boundaries. So I I really feel like for me, my experience as a therapist, that's 80% of everybody's problem is yeah. codependency. I think it all kind of boils down to that. So I, I really do feel like that if you don't know who you are and you can't tap into what you like and love, what you want more of, what you want less of and those things that you're willing to negotiate. Like you really, you don't care what color car you drive, or maybe you don't care if you go eat pizza or steak. Maybe there's just some areas in your life that are permanent. Some are temporary, depending on the moment where you're willing to say, you know, I really don't care what we do tonight. Do you have a preference? You know, if you don't know those things, you are going to find yourself in a pickle and probably be kind of miserable. Yeah. I think that one of the things that I, I I do this a lot with her, (laughs) you know, sometimes I really do care, you know, I'm like, no, I want to do this. And sometimes I do say, I really just don't care. And I would prefer not to make that choice. Like I just don't have the energy (laughs) to choose and I really don't care. (laughs) Do you remember me saying that quite often? Yeah, quite often. Yeah, but I mean that. Like when I say I don't care, it's not one of these things like, well, I'm going to say I don't care, but I really care. I really want you to like mind read what I'm doing or what I'm looking for. It's like, I really just don't care. Yeah, it's it's almost like I'm deferring to you. It's really maybe a better way to say it. I'm deferring to you. I I agree. Let's go out and eat. I don't have a preference. I'm going to defer to your preference, whatever that is. Yeah. I used to be really bad about just going with the flow, but now I catch myself because not even just about eating, it's it's about a little bit of everything, like what I actually prefer and, and being honest with myself. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, I could see it on her face, like when she was just trying to appease me or when she was just like trying to agree or whatever, like she would almost pause to think about it. And then she'd be like, yeah, whatever you want to do is fine. But I'm like, no, but what do you really want to do? Because that's I, I think I can have such a strong personality in some ways that I want someone who can stand toe to toe and be like, like, I like to have a disagreement sometimes about how things should go. You know, I really want want a partner. 
yeah. you want a partner. Right. Not if we're in it to win it together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's important. Like that's really important to me is I, I may not agree with what you're saying, but I want to know what you think. And there, there have been a lot of times where she'll ask me something and be like, I don't really care. But then I think on it and a minute later, I'm like, actually, I do care. And this is my decision. And she's like, yes, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. So much better. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. And we're talking right now, I guess I'm talking specifically about relationships, about how communication is so important. And if people feel like they're, you know, in a codependent relationship, how do those typically end or do they, or are most codependent people together forever and just unhappy? Well, I mean, oftentimes there's kind of a big blow up. I think that often there's a person that says, well, I'm fine. I'm going to give it all to you now. I've been holding back for 25 years, but guess what? You're going to hear about it now. And the other person is probably pretty shocked. Like what? Yeah. Like, where did this come from? Like, this is a midlife crisis, right? That's what they used to call it. You're having a midlife crisis. You're doing all this crazy shit you haven't wanted to do your whole life. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They probably have. Mm -hmm. They've just pushed it down and pushed it over. I will say that I I run a few groups and and in my groups at the office, we will often, uh, people will share their profile for dating. And if they've had a few dates where they've had like somebody that they just didn't jive with, I'm always like, why don't we look at your profile? Like, what are you putting out there? This is your advertisement, basically. And I'm like, this is so vague. Yeah. Like you are, you are attracting people who are going to tell you what to do because you're not telling anybody who you are. Mm-hmm. Like you're wondering why you're getting people who don't like to travel. Well, you haven't put on your profile that that's something that's really important to you. Yeah. yeah. That you, I love to travel. This is something I want to do frequently with enthusiasm. (laughs) And if you've got all these people showing up that are like, oh yeah, I want to play baseball all day. I want to go to the Cubs game and the White Sox game on the same afternoon. And you're like, why are these people coming to me? Well, put on there that you don't like baseball. Nip it in the bud. Like be done with that. You don't want any baseball lovers showing up, knocking on your profile. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we're like, oh my God, I couldn't do that. What if I like push somebody away? I'm like, what? You push somebody away who wants to go to two baseball games every day? Yeah. Like, isn't that a blessing? Yeah. Like they're going to find somebody else who wants to go to two baseball day and they're going to be in hog heaven. So let that happen. I think that kind of reminds me of that scarcity mindset of even business owners who say, well, I don't want to be, or therapists who I don't want to be too specialized because then I'm pushing all of these other people away, but it's just causing you to have to do more work doing things that you don't actually enjoy in the first place. So what's the point? All right. What is the point? Yeah. Yeah. Like talk about a miserable day going to two baseball games. If you don't even like baseball. I think one baseball game would be miserable enough. I think something that I've learned since being around Casey is value of time. And she's always like, I am not going to, to use my time. Not wisely. That's been a huge thing for you. You're like, I'm not going to put in all this effort if I really don't want to do it or like to do it. No, no, not at all. I don't really ever want to date again. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) So I hope she never does anything stupid. 
But I would be the worst dater ever because like I would bullet point out, these are the things I enjoy. These are these are my non-negotiables. If you do this, 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 then don't bother. Like it would be so specific. Probably no one would. These even. are the red flags and these are the yellow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, and I think the older you get, you just don't like there's just I'm not compromising about things that I would have probably compromised on in my 20s. I'm just not because I know myself better. I love myself more. I understand like it's not going to get me anywhere. So what's the point? And I do think that that's sometimes what makes it hard for people who have spent all of their 20s and half of their 30s single, Mm -hmm. just working 100 hours a week in big law or, you know, some of those other worlds where, you know, they don't really have control of their schedule. They just have to work all the time. Yeah. And then they're like trying to date. Yeah. And it's like they haven't shared space or time or energy with anyone. They've just been working a lot. And like they have to kind of come at it from the opposite way of like, I've never done that before. I don't even know if I would like to go scuba diving because I haven't had time to even think about it. So now what? Am I going to go out with somebody who wants to do that? Or do I just say no, right? It it can be a blessing or a curse on either at any age, depending on your situation, I think. But it's important to know what you don't want, what you do want. And it's also important to think about what feels like a compromise, what feels like a negotiation, how can I be flexible and not rigid and be open? Yeah. Well, as you were saying that, that's kind of what I was thinking in my head. It was like the big takeaway here is understanding yourself and like be giving yourself the time and space to figure out what it is you want and what it is you don't want and exploring that too. Like, do I like this? Do I not? Is this something that feels good to me? Is this something that, that feels not good to me? And I think a lot of women don't give themselves the permission to do that. And I think if they did, they would have a more fulfilling life. Yeah, I think so. And if you're dating, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is how codependents and narcissists often find each other. Yeah, I almost brought that up earlier. I I did did too. I was thinking it. Yeah. They can be a a fit for a while, but oftentimes narcissists who are wanting everybody to orbit around them will experience your no or your boundary as an abandonment, Mm -hmm. which can trigger an eruption of sort. And so I think a lot of times women don't want to deal with it. Like it's just easier. Yeah. Easier to just do whatever they want. And then I don't have to deal with the fallout. And that is a tough compromise to have to make. I think we need like a part two. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to need a part two on narcissism. We can do a part two narcissism. (laughs) We have some good. I love a good narcissist. Somehow in Chicago, somebody somewhere said, oh, Kelly Rice, she's a good therapist. So on Thursday, I see attorneys all day long. Uh-huh. And, you know, you kind of want your attorney to have a lot of confidence in themselves, right? Like some of the very specific personality traits that you as a consumer would want in your attorney can sometimes make it challenging for Absolutely. them. And so anyway, yes. Oh, I would love to have a part two. We could just talk about this. We'll never get off the back porch. I know. I know. That's that's a that's a good one. I'll be ready for that one. Yeah. Well, we 
appreciate you taking the time to chat with us on this issue. And I think it's not really a topic that I'd originally thought of, but it makes so much sense in how codependency plays a part in love and relationships and and then how that trickles down into other parts of our life. So super appreciative of you and it's good to see you and we will get you back on. Yeah. I'm thankful. Two. I'm thankful for conversations like these because it definitely sparks some thoughts and yeah. little parts of different conversations. And I'm really appreciative of that. Well, yes. Thank you for inviting me. I could talk about this all day long and happy to come back. And I wish you the best luck on the podcast. I think it's going to really rock. Thank you so much. We will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast so we can keep making great content like this.